Hello, welcome to Compulsive Reader Talks. I'm Magdalena Ball and I'm coming to you today from the unceded lands of the Awabakal people. I'd like to pay my deep respect to elders past and present with a special welcome to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islanders listening today or on the podcast uh, in the future. Today's guest, Lorna Monroe Oyalini, is a Wurundjeri and Gamilaroi woman, multidisciplinary artist, and regular radio and podcast host at Sydney's Radio Skid Row. A longtime active member of her Redfern Waterloo community, her work is informed by passion and well-studied insight in areas such as culture, history, politics, and popular culture. Um, Lorna has traveled the world showcasing her skills and distinctive style of poetry and political commentary, she was also the designer and creator of Sydney's first initiative to teach Aboriginal language through poetry in partnership with uh, Red Room Poetry in 2015. Throughout her, her career, she's been on stage and films on paper, um, compiled and edited Paper Dreaming, Our Stories Our Way for Cambridge University Press, and continues to work tirelessly, mastering many uh, art forms, raising funds, supporting and advocating for her community and her people on the local, national and international stage. Um, also in 2019, Lorna was announced as a recipient of the Wheeler Center's Next Center Fellowship and uh, has a, a fantastic upcoming session at the Sydney Writers Festival on May 21st. Yes, that's election day, per perfect post-voting activity um, from 2 to 3 p.m. at Carriage Works. <laughs> so Lorna, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, I suppose I'll have to get up early that day and get my <laughs> votes in or, or vote early. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Uh, did I, I forgot awesome. all about that, actually. Yeah, yeah so I, I'm sure that, uh, that uh, the Prime Minister, uh, leave him nameless for the moment, the current, hopefully current and outgoing Prime Minister, um, did not think about the Sydney Writers' Festival when the date was set. No, yeah. Arts is not not top of his his priority list, unfortunately. No, I think he's. I think he he knows he needs to wrap it up. Yeah, I hope so. Please, please. Right. So, um, <laughs> can I ask you, please, to open the session uh, with a poem? Um, I'm actually just trying to. Let me see if I can get. Yep. I am ready. Sorry, I um, I didn't I didn't want to muck around with the screen too much while you're recording. Um, so I guess you picked out some poems that you really liked. Um, so I'm happy, I'm happy to um, to read these ones. I guess. So do you want to start with Spirit Remains? Then? Yeah. So I was just gonna say that this was probably the first sort of ever professional commissioned work I ever got. I was very young. Um, and I just finished working as a tour guide in the Rocks area. Um, so I thought it was it was interesting um, that I was asked to comment about that area um, specifically uh, because this whole commission work was a response to the government house. Um, okay. I am as old as time. I am fluid like spoken rhyme. I am still here, even if you refuse to listen to my lesson. I am wise beyond my years, though I wear the clothes of an adolescent. I am confined, am I am confined amongst your goodwill. Please spare me your blessings. 
I am hungry for change, although I'm wary of the sinister inner essence. I am still here amid your secret transgressions. I am present, I am unknown. I am that eerie shiver you feel when you're alone. I refuse to leave, this is my home. I am the gulf, the bay and the cove. I've been here a long time, I've watched this place grow. I continue to transcend beyond the skies, over the seas and deep below. I am a stubborn child, refusing to walk in your shadow. I am the thing in between hereafter, the very thing you were too afraid to know. I forever sing nature's song, my ode to old father crow. I inspired the city beats with the sound of my mismatched feet, each step thundering an enormous blow. I will remain here even if you choose to go. I control young minds, load warriors up with the knowledge of guerrilla ammo. I counteract your propaganda with my lyrical skills and my righteous flow. I am responsible for your paranoia. I am the force that turns the most conservative to gung-ho. The very acknowledgement of my existence will force closure of your place of business and from your property you will have to forego. I am chaotic. I am still the same. I make sandstone structures shake and quiver at the mention of my name. I am enigmatic, heartfelt, vengeful, and a little dramatic. I am forever studied, questions can't be answered from where or whence I came. I smile at young women, they praise my face and sing to me, but never in vain. Why as men talk about me, boys line up to play my game. They are told to beware my disguises and are warned of the bringer of pain. I represent the long light of light and eternal unbroken chain. I had a beloved I adored. You destroyed their spirit in your attempt to tame. I am condemned to watch on helpless as you assimilate torture and continue to maim. I shall remain in spite of the permanent tear flooded, the tear flooded stain with oppressed thoughts of immense disdain. Recognize my right, you have nothing left to gain. What am I you are what am I you ask? Who is this cause of such discontent? What is to blame? Know that it is I, the law of this land, the creator, the maker of rain. I am the core, the spirit, the giver of life, and I can take it back again. Wow, that poem is so powerful. It seems to me like a poem of our times, like a, you know, a warning, an invocation. Um, it really, it, it really seems timeless. Yeah, well, I think that was, I, I can't even remember when that was written. Um, but, you know, I was really trying to kind of, I was trying to give voice to, um, you know, the, the creator, um, the life form that we believe we all descend from and um, that you know, carve this country. And of course, you know, there's, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting conversation um, in amongst Aboriginal people, in amongst our 600, you know, diverse nations, because I previously believed that, you know, by army, which is what um, the creator is known as in the southeast of Australia, I thought that that was just one, one name for um, God, if you will. But that's not correct. Um, we actually have a Parthenon of gods um, and we each all, um, you know, all of our nation's creators um, and those creator spirits, they all had relationships with each other and there are actually stories linking 
each other. So it's such a, a huge conversation, I think, that that I was really trying to kind of um, invoke and provoke, I guess, with um, trying to tap into that story that I know. Yeah. And, and it seems to me this is just so critical um, to the human race, really, as we move forward to begin to tap into, you know, these ancient and powerful and you know this kind of wisdom it, it's it feels like it's something that is necessary yeah well it was definitely I think that again the main thing was to get people to realize and understand that land is alive it's living mm. country is living um and it, it is alive and it has very um emotional responses I guess to the human um, life that has been kind of placed on top of it yeah and, and that these these you know these binaries if you like um, they're artificial and they're artificially imposed and um, and they're you know they're labels that have caused and are continue to cause harm um, you know not just to uh, those people who have been oppressed but to everyone really it's destroying well, definitely i think you know in the in the era of climate change and the denial of climate change i think you know a lot of people are learning that the hard way yes yes unfortunately um but it does bring me to the the session your upcoming panel um that i mentioned in the introduction of the sydney writers festival how to write a river a sky a seed um that you're doing with luke patterson tony birch and daniel browning and I love the title of the session and the whole notion of not writing about the natural world, but, you know, effectively co-creating. Um, mm. it, it just seems like such a, a beautiful and, and exciting title to be working with. Yeah, well, I think, you know, that's that's Dan, that's the beauty of Daniel Browning's um, work and his curatorial um, practice and, and processes. I think, um, you know, he's someone that is, very in tune with um, this, these efforts of decolonizing literary work, um, the literary world, fiction, you know, nonfiction, like I think just every space that Aboriginal people and First Nations people exist in, there's just been this huge thrust um, to kind of center our worldview and, you know, it's such a privilege to be a part of those conversations. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what you're going to read yet? Have you have you thought about it, or have you still time? Oh, for the Sydney Writers um, panel. Yeah, I think Dan Daniel's a bit like you. He'll 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 you know put in my lap the ones that he wants to hear. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. No, I didn't want to necessarily guide you. Um, again, please, if there's something you want to read, just uh, just go for oh, it. It's fine. It's fine. Like I, you know, have been in these spaces for so long. I've been doing this work for so long that I often forget um, a lot of the work that I have been a part of and mm. have, um, you know, you know, lent my voice to. So I, I don't mind when people have requests. <laughs> Yeah, well, look, I mean, there is quite a body of work. It's really, you know, maybe this goes back to that whole notion of decolonialization. But, you know, um, we often think of, you know, well, what have you published as being, you know, what's the body of work? But when I, you know, when I look at the, the types of things and the, the many, many um, 
the many, many different multimedia types of work that you've done over the years, you know, whether that be words carved into the ground or whether it be musical collaborations of which there have been, you know, several. Um, they really are, um, it, it, it's quite different and yet quite far reaching in terms of the impact. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I'm someone, it's, it's in, again, it's quite ironic that there is such a body of work out there that can be looked at because I have kind of ducked and dodged and weaved around that and really kind of um, preferred, you know, to have my voice be the thing that kind of cuts through everything um, and be, you know, I prefer to be heard and seen and, and felt and connected to instead of just kind of picking up a page um, or a book and, and reading. Like it's actually taken me a lot um, of conversations with other Aboriginal writers um, and conversations with like people that I am so privileged to be connected to that are a part of the, you know, the disability communities mm. that have made me kind of re really rethink, you know, um, how, these thoughts and these these conversations that I want people to have and you know my voice how that is accessed yeah do you feel um that spoken word poetry for example and performance um feel to you at least uh, more relevant right now than you know than, than paper print and archives I think you know as as someone in those spaces it's taken a while for it to be more pal palatable you know, um, I started out in the spoken word spaces. Um, well, not started out, but it's kind of the place where I found my feet um, and I learnt, um, you know, how to raise my voice in the most effective ways and when not to raise my voice, um, you know, when, when to be gentle. Um, and I guess as an Aboriginal person growing up in Redfern, living in Sydney, that has been a huge struggle is learning when to be gentle and when to be generous. Um, and when to be angry. <laughs> well, I think for me, angry comes naturally. Being angry comes naturally. So for me, it was, you know, finding those moments of vulnerability that was the struggle and um, exposing myself and exposing other people to that vulnerability that, you know, is not necessarily something that, I would present to the outside world in in colonial spaces, especially Sydney. There's so much residue, um, you know, left over in in physical spaces. So much racism, patriarchal, you know, kind of ideas. Um, and when I was starting out, I was the only Aboriginal person in a lot of those spoken word places, so I didn't feel safe a lot of the time mm. yeah so um I, you know i think one one of the poems that you have have that talks to that a little bit is um poetry when we can heal um yeah do you want uh, would you like to talk about that a little bit and maybe read from read it so i'm happy to read from it um okay. have we got it here yeah i think so do do we did i include it on my list it's just below Speak the Truth. So it should be the third one. So that was, I think this was published. Evelyn Araluan had asked me um, to send her something for the Overland. Uh, yes, this was from Overland, yeah. 
That's right. Mm. So this was, I think, uh, it was like around Invasion Day, 26th of January. It always brings up a lot um, for our communities, a lot of emotion. Since when did they ever value this land? Because if they did, they would have paid the price. They would have done what was right. Instead, there has been theft after theft after theft after theft. Murder and rape, incarceration and desecration, selling off what they could never own, selling off our only home, giving it away to the first white man that put his hand up. And it's okay because we are black and indigenous. It's okay to quarter and divide our mother up. This is country, not Auschwitz, the Thames or Rome. This ain't the Valley of the Kings or Paris or any catacombs. This ain't Times Square, just a place to bear the colony's bastard children, the ones that imprisoned and were sent here more than 200 years ago. We never, we never did anything wrong, so now i got to write for my own sanity, process this inhumane shit so it don't get the best of me, reject these colonial tools and weaponry. I can't keep crying for my country. I can't keep applying Band-Aids to gaping holes of missing rock and reminisce about what was in front of me and lament at what they forgot. Little people be watching me. Who the fuck holds them down while I'm feeling sorry? Who the fuck is gonna show them their country? Who's gonna tell them their stories of how our ancestors survived, of how matriarchs ensured we thrived and put the creation's memory, creator's memories in all little babies' minds, eyes and hearts? Where do we even begin to start picking up those pieces? How do we win any battle against this bloodthirsty creature? Yeah, I, I really feel like hearing it in your voice is, you know, almost like a, it's a different experience. It's almost like a poem in itself, the, the sound of it and the rhythm of it uh, when it's performed. So I really see why, you you know, you, you want to um, focus on spoken word. Yeah, well, you know, I think words, when people read words on a page, they hear their own voice. And I guess like for me with spoken word poetry and having audio poems um, accessible and published instead of the written word as well, um, I think it really, again, inserts my inner city, you know, Blackfella vernacular. Um, it's, you know, I think people, um, I don't give people any choice, I guess, for them to interpret it and I think that that's a you know sometimes that's the only power I've had in some of these kind of conversations and situations yeah yeah and, and you know just going back to again that notion of decolonialization and um and how your work aims to do this um you know talk to me just a little bit about that and and what it is that um that writing and speaking and performing poetry can do to, you know, sort of undermine some of those, um, those binaries, those, those gatekeepings, um, you know, the ways in which um, maybe uh, deciding who gets to be heard and who doesn't um, is breaking down, hopefully. Well, I think mainly, you know, my main reason for, or well, it's not really reason, it's this innate, kind of leaning more towards it because in this country 
the written word has existed for 250 years. Mm. You know, it's something that is very foreign to an Aboriginal worldview. It's something that is very new. And for me, after working with a lot of young people, um, working with language, Wiradjuri language, which is my mother's language, um, that was something that I had realised, you know, in school there's all this pressure on, on, on everybody, um, but also I guess a lot of Aboriginal children really feel this and the literacy and numeracy um, statistics are very low in uh, young people engaging in that. So I guess, you know, there's always been this stigma around young people with um, literacy and numeracy in schools that they're not bright enough or they're not smart enough or they're not good enough. Whereas, you know, the conversations that I've really kind of been um, initiating in those spaces was for the institutions to remember that they are only 250 years old in this country it is something that is not a part of our thinking. Um, it's, it's a very introduced idea. And I guess that has then come through in my uh, poetic work um, is, you know, and again, that's why I say that I lean more towards spoken word because it is something that is ancient. It is something that I feel is honoring my um, ancient methodologies and on and ontologies that have existed in this country, you know, since the beginning of time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I feel like when you listen to someone, particularly um, speak in language, um, the, you know, the mother tongue, if you like, it, it, it's almost impossible to put this into words. But there's a kind of powerful in the body feeling you get when you listen to it. Like um, it's almost not, and, and maybe it's just part of not necessarily understanding what the words mean, but just just being able to focus on the rhythms and the sounds and the delivery, uh, rather than focusing on what's actually being said. But there's just something to me that is shiver-inducing. You know, it really makes you feel deeply when you listen to somebody speak in that mother tongue. Yeah, well, you're hearing ancestors. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're you're that's right, exactly. It's like you're speaking with many voices, not just one. Well, also, you know, like phonetically, uh, Aboriginal languages, they were first written down by French speakers and, you know, non-English speakers. So then when that was translated into English, there's a lot that's been lost in translation. So there's a lot, a lot of work that a lot of Aboriginal people that are a part of this reclamation uh, work that have had to do that they don't necessarily get to talk about yeah so I guess for me that was again a way to just break through cut through all of that mm. um, yeah I'm and sorry. you've done lots of work with students as well so I, I mentioned the Yaligari program um, where you you created this program for students um, you know really potentially uh, Australian first um, for students from Redfern and Sydney City communities, you know, with these poets in residence in schools. Um, do you feel that, you know, that poetry is particularly powerful in terms of connecting um, people with their, with First Nation cultures and languages, that it's a, a good art form for that? 
definitely it was it was designed so that everybody could have some kind of engagement primarily you know young Aboriginal people from my community who were you know if you know anything about this community you know that a lot of Aboriginal people that live here don't don't come from Sydney Mm -hmm. they come from the south coast they come from Wiradjuri they come from Gomorrah countries so you know there's this kind of um there's a lot of that, that disconnection and there's a, a, a lot of disconnect for a lot of people, I think. And our language is embedded in every part and every aspect of Australian society. So that was my attempt to kind of lift that veil and get people to understand that they think they don't know Aboriginal languages, but they say Aboriginal languages every time they talk about places in Sydney like Coogee, Bondi, you know, Canberra is an Aboriginal word, you know, Taipan is an Aboriginal word, Kookaburra, kangaroo, you know, all of these words. Um, And if you travel through New South Wales, you know, it's often fun to say these places that you come across. And it's, you know, it's because they are, language words and they reflect country and language is poetry within itself yeah I don't know if I answered you no 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 you have you have and I I know exactly what you mean um and and in fact um and Red Room's doing you know fantastic work in this space too I, I love all the things they do but um um, one of the really, really cool uh, projects, you have a lot of cool projects, but one of the really cool projects that you've got is this, um, you know, uh, Muru Mangamai, this poem that you've got etched into the Badu Mangroves boardwalk. Um, so it's it's literally etched and literally um, sits into the land, effectively, these words that have, you know, um, are actually connected directly with the soil um, as this bridge, um, which is really uh, amazing. Yeah, I think I've been able to be very experimental. And I think if, you know, if, if I can kind of look back at the body of, of, of my work, that is one thing that I am happy and proud about and, and for is the way that I've been able to push boundaries, the way that I've been able to be very experimental in the way that poetry is accessed and people hear these stories and hear my voice. It's funny that my son comes out here at the moment because when we started the Dreaming Track work, I was pregnant with him. Mm. Um, And it's taken years and years to kind of get to the point where it's at now where it's embedded in the space. Mm. Um, You know, those swamplands are so important to the whole ecosystem of the Sydney area, but it's also very integral to, like, the Sydney um, industrial history of this whole country. And, um, you know, I think it just blows people's minds that there are still, that there are swamps in Sydney. Um, And I think that a lot of the swamplands have been drained and, you know, built over the top of. So it's very important for people to be able to have access to landscape and country like that. Yeah. And to, to actually engage in this much slower way than I guess we used to to really pay attention to the, the land as they're walking on it. Yeah, well, I think the mangroves are such a beautiful place for me because it reminds me of, you know, what this area that I live in today 
would have looked like before everything was built here. But it's also a place where, you know, it's it's very quiet. Um, and that's a very surprising thing as well. You know, it's very hard to find quiet places in the city. Um, as you, can, you know, I think that that's funny as well because it's very hard for me to find quiet places even in my own home to, you know, do work, sound record, all that sort of stuff as well. So, you know, they're highly, highly valued. Mm. So could I ask you to read uh, Murumankamai? I know it's not quite the same as, as walking along uh, an etched boardwalk, but, um, you know, it, I, I do feel like even the, the poem as it's spoken um, is so full of language and, and lessons and stories. This is a Murumankamai dreaming track. Please disregard the disruptions, disconnect from the obstructions, the growth of this canopy pleads. Unweave the wires that bind, recharge yourself and refine another way to be. See what was lost but not forgotten all of those years ago. Realign your eyes with what time has changed. Be ready to sacrifice what you see from what you feel and change your mind when you see this space. Read the descriptions that European artists forgot to enclose already etched from the soil and ochre when they spoke of our country with fine paintbrush strokes. What is invoked for you within these mangroves? Still home to Barangoa and Girigan, just a swamp, each beach and cove. Outlines of images emerge, inlets of goennas and snakes taking the shape recorded by warriors as they navigated this place. Rebellion thrives within the shadows of these trees as they always will and always have been. Bird's eye view seen from the sky, interpreting creations as Biami inscribed them on the lids of many eyes, inspiring song held in memory. Time will tell. Time will tell what we leave behind in this wasteland of ideas thought of long ago. Read the seasons, know the differences and the reasons, the sacredness embodied as we see them. Why are we here in this gathering ground of ancestors' voices rippled within the water? Watch as it ebbs and flows and remember to not invade the space these soldiers of salt, two-ton towers piled high out of the wet scream, don't touch. We once built up wealth. Observe these estuaries and streams that have once conceived poison and dreams. Light, mud stains on floodplains tell how times have changed in only some ways. Tide chases the stars away. Spirits stand strong while sun rays touch each day push the dark away, push the dark away. And with each day, learn to, learn to read the land in other ways. Hands of the bay hold lines describing what was here in the old days. Says a lot more than what these signs say. Find ways to waste the time away in the protection of the shade and hide away to another time where women fished in Nowi and raised warriors strong and in the kindest of ways. These kind of bays tell our stories and if you find the ways, follow the inlets and the water from Pemawoy's day 
the Bay of Caddy to Kamei, Baramadical to Tabagoli, to the home of the Darawa people and beyond. Hopefulness still blooms and remains strong, claps a beat, breaks through layers of questions. We ask ourselves in the stillness of contemplation and stay reminded that beauty still resides here after 228 years in silence. That's just so, so wonderful. See, it's a bit different and it's a, you know, I, I wrote that, um, uh, you know, every time I, not every time, but when I've been given tasks to write, I often push myself and give myself challenges. And writing a palindrome was was a big, sorry, was a big deal at that time for me. And it makes sense for the um, context as well to, to walk either way. Yeah, I really see it. Exactly. You know, we needed something that could be read from any which way people entered from. So excerpts from that um, were kind of, turned into this call and response piece, um, the collaboration with Shannon Foster. Mm. No, that's, that's just wonderful. And, and you've got lots of collaborations and, um, and, and they're all so interesting. I mean, um, you know, there was Poetribe and I guess that, uh, that, um, that lost its funding, which is just tragic, um, but it was, you know, some of the things that you did with that, that um, I've heard online or, you know, have been just exquisite um, with, uh, with Eric. So really beautiful, some beautiful pieces um, in that. Is there any yeah, chance to get going I again? Like, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's a different time. I, I think things are really different. Um, Power Tribe came about because I, again, wanted to challenge myself. Um, and then I just happened to meet Eric. Uh, he was dancing. He he was at I think Nays at the time, and we got to talking, and you know realized we had some family connections, and he had a connection to this community as well. Um, and then he just kind of dropped it on me, and he was like, you know, I play violin, um, so I was just like we hadn't known each other very well, but after I heard he played violin, I was just like, do you want to come over? do you want to come and hang out um and just like see what happens um I often lament a, a lot of what happened with that collaboration just because it really felt like a lot of people really didn't want to see us carve that space out and you know today um that's a good almost like nine years um that we were kind of doing that work. And today it's really hard for me to watch a lot of people kind of, you know, take, uh, take up what we started back then and not have the same struggles, um, you know, but that's something that I've got to reconcile. And I, it is a struggle for me just because we did such great work and we have nothing to show for it. Well, there is some, I mean, there are some things online um, and I will, uh, if you're comfortable with it, I will link some of those things in the, in the show notes, like experiment number 44, which picks up uh, the piece that you've got in paper dreaming, um, breathe, but, you know, Eric's in a completely also, different way. Eric's also, I think, published in that. There's been a few opportunities where yes. we've had to publish work. So I've kind of um, 
you know, extended those invitations to both Ancestress and Eric and anyone who are, you know, um, any, anyone's work that I kind of love, but those two, uh, you know, they've, we've had, we've, we've had such a huge journey together. Uh, we've also worked together. We've collaborated together um, for a few uh, performances along with Busty Beats from Hot Brown Honey. Um, you know, people still talk about those collaborations and there was, you know, if you wasn't there, then you would never know, you know. So there's a very exclusive kind of very small um, groups of people that, you know, we're lucky enough to see that. Um, and we're always wishing and hoping that we can work together again. But, you know, again, like it's it's a whole different landscape today. Um, it's easier in some ways to, to get it going, to get the funding that you need and, and get things happening. Mate, I'm not too sure about that. Okay, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. I'm not in a position. I'm, I'm not too sure about that. But, you know, I think what complicates things a lot more is because um, I've got kids now, you know, like course, I've got my yeah. son. And people move on and they have other projects, I know. I understand that. Exactly. And, you know, like... Um, I just like I it, so I'm just to... selfishly wishing it would come back again. Oh, <laughs> same. Like yeah. I, you know, I have to... Like, we all dream about that so much, but I have to be the realist a lot of the time. And, you know, I was able to give myself so, I was able to give um, so much of myself to these projects previously. And, you know, I'm still trying to figure out how much of myself to give to people now yeah. after being so generous. And I think that that's been something that the three of us have had to experience as well, you know, um, but yeah, sorry, sorry to keep going on. Um, oh no, please! I mean, you know, it's a, it's a, it's important, and it's a, you know, big issue. Um, these collaborations were were really powerful. I mean, an the an ancestress work is powerful too. And I will link um, quite a few things in the show notes just for people who can, you know, who want to listen to some of that, um, the, you know, absolutely exquisite material. Um, I want to get one more poem in if we can squeeze it in, and that's um, the one that you've got in Firefront, um, which is. I've got here. Um, so it's Yalalu uh, Bulgadi, Once Upon a Time in the Bay of Gadi. Um, so uh, that was. Okay read that? I've, I've stuck it in the sheet as well. Yeah, I'm fine to read that. I can just hear little footsteps coming down the stairs. <laughs> and we'll, so, finish on, um, we'll finish on that one. Cool. Um, again, that first early commission piece um, with the Red Room Company, um, that was, this was for the disappearing, and I'd wrote, written a three part piece so this is like the third part the first part was a spirit remains the second part was um dripping with decadence and then this was the third part um after I'd made myself so sick <laughs> Yalalu Bugatti once upon a time in the Bay of Gadi Melaluka, Urali, paper bar, Kurajong, mother tongue will always guide you home by song. Talawalada, white clay, men's business, Wakamagali. The lay of this land, if you care to listen, will tell its exclusive story. Yelini, red clay, Mulgan, Jabogali. This terrain evolved over many eons and in a rambunctious flurry. 
dugong leather jackets, salmon, John Dory, ancient waterways in all of their glory, Pirama, Bango, Mel Mel Warang, art, swimming, dancing, and contest equals regimented fun. Bara, Barani, Badu, Barabagu, many vantage points to be directed to. Kangaroo, Barabarang, Dingu, endless rites of passage to ceremonies they pass through. Shells, scars, sweet smells, a young Gadigalian would know all too well. Kadaicha, oils, medicine man, tea tree for your wounds when health isn't so grand. Gurua, dreaming, salt water, garigarang, the ocean opus is embraced like an old friend. Noi, ganya, marang, time and place transcend. Um, <clears throat> there's... <laughs> There's a few variations of the last couple of lines on that, but that's how I um, like to leave it. Yeah, no, that's a, a beautiful place to end it on, the word transcend. Um, and and it's just a lovely poem, so full of, so full of language, really. And um, uh, it, it's interesting that you put it all in caps. <laughs> I have no, I can't remember why I did that. <laughs> but I find it interesting that I'm holding my son's dory. <laughs> well, I read that because, you know, Finding Nemo, they ended up in Sydney Harbour. That whole piece is about Sydney Harbour. Yeah. Um, and it's a bit of a signpost for all the things, you know, and the ways in which the places have been utilised for, you know, thousands and thousands of years before Sydney was kind of developed and built. Yeah, I really got that from the poem, this, this sense of the many layers. Of, of the layers of language, the layers of, of you know, perception, the layers of history, all kind of woven in through the poem. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that was, um, uh, that was one of the first pieces that Eric and I got to play with as well. Mm. He did a, um, that, that would have been on the, the infamous EP that never was. And it was interesting because we did a bit of work in Centennial Park and we were recording and when we went back and listened, we heard this hum and it was very kind of freaky. Um, but the backing vocals that were used in that EP was mimicking that hum of the space um, that we, had heard, we heard during our kind of, you know, expeditions going out and recording and, and um, feeling spaces. Mm, wonderful. So um, we're almost out of time, but is um, are you working on something new at the moment or is there anything you want to add that we haven't covered? I'm always like trying to kind of, you know, find these spaces where my unique kind of interests um, are peaked. Um, you know, I'm always trying to kind of finish plays and, and things like that that I started writing years ago and developing ideas. Um, but I do want to mention, and I'm very excited about um, my latest Red Room work uh, with January Rogers, formerly known as Janet Rogers, who's a First Nations uh, poet from uh, Turtle Island. Uh, we're doing a, a collaboration and it's called Fair Trade. There's a, there's a collection of Indigenous poets and Indigenous peoples from other 
parts of the world collaborating on that. And I was very lucky to be asked to work with Janet, who I have like absolutely loved their work for years. Um, so that's exciting. There's a bit of a uh, sound work involved in that as well that will be released with the written work. And, you know, I'm just so, I'm, I'm so happy and so excited and proud to be a part of that work, but also to just, it's a bit of a, a nod to the online publishing that the Red Room has been doing and, you know, pays that respect to the ways in which I've pushed boundaries even on that space and having audio published as well as the written poetry because it's something that's you know is happening a lot and I see happen a lot these days and I guess you know I'm someone that really pushed for that to happen in in certain spaces um and I'm so happy to see other people kind of take that space up as well yeah, brilliant. I'll I'll hunt that down as well and, and stick it in the show notes as well so uh, people can can find it and, and gain access. Um, so that's just wonderful. That, that's a, about all we have time for today, Lorna. But thank you so much for joining me. Um, just uh, terrific to speak to you and good luck with that Sydney Writers Festival session. I'll, I'm very much looking forward to it. Thanks a lot. We'll talk soon, huh? <laughs>